May the words of my lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I know all of us are gathered here for good news. Some come to church to escape the world, others come to make sense of it. But I suspect that on all of our hearts and minds right now, we are asking the question, how do we as a loving community that strives to follow Jesus move forward? How do we go forward today when it seems so difficult and painful in the world. And so I want to start with the fundamental good news that we get, and then I will share maybe where I have come up short, and then we'll come back to the good news. Today is the feast of the baptism of Jesus. And we hear in the story that the baptism that we are to receive, not the baptism of Jesus, but John points us and says that the one who is coming after will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And so on the font that you've probably caught in the image next to Angie, almost every feast day of the baptism of Jesus and a few other days in the church here, we gather here, and most days we would have several families and newborn children, and we would make those promises that we made earlier in the service, and then one of the clergy would take a small child, sometimes an adult, and pour water over their forehead. Mark the sign of the cross and say, you are sealed in baptism by the Holy Spirit, sealed, and marked as Christ's own forever. It's the most powerful thing that we witness. What we are saying is that the bond that God has with each of us is permanent. It cannot be broken. So we start from a place. We start from a place where no matter what, God's love for us is there. God loves us. God loves every single person and has invited them into a life to know and cherish that love. That love exists for you and me. It exists for the people that we disagree with. It exists for the people that we don't understand. It even exists for that lunatic in the buffalo horns and leather chaps that broke into the Capitol. That love is for everyone. Okay, so I want to share about something that happens at the Burris households nearly every single day. We um, spend most of our days in the kitchen. 
we have a kitchen island, and um, we're doing a little bit of work on the house, so we don't have as much room to, to, to hang out as we would like. And so usually, by the end of the day, the kitchen island is just covered with Pokemon cards and art projects and tinkering things, and I'm about to lose my mind by the end of the day. I live with a almost, I'll be a nine-year-old next week and a seven-year-old a couple weeks later, an eight- and six-year-old. You can imagine how the, um, the dialogue goes. Jack and Bailey, you've got to clean up your mess. Whichever one is closest, it's not my mess, it's Bailey's. No, it's not, it's Jack's. Jack made that mess. And then they're both fighting. Now, so what's happening here? It is, it is conceivable that one of them is more guilty at each turn, right? It's, it's possible the Pokemon cards are definitely Jack's unless Bailey's been playing with Pokemon that day. But if they're able to convince me that one of the others is at fault, then they are able to sit at the counter blameless. They can finally sit down and enjoy dinner. But y'all know they're both at fault. Either they're both playing together because we're under quarantine and so everybody's in the house. Or they have been fighting and so one is making a mess at the counter because the other one doesn't want to play with the other one. So they're both at play. But if they can blame the other person then they believe they can sit scot-free at the table. So, if you pay attention to the Old Testament, there's all these rules for dealing with life. We don't really talk about it much at church because they're so weird. And in Leviticus chapter 16, Aaron is gathered with a community and he's doing this ritual with these two goats. They have two goats. And he talks about taking all the sin of the community and placing it on the forehead of one of the goats. And then they send that goat out in the wilderness so that they don't have to deal with the sin of the community. They cast it out into the wilderness and the sin is gone. This is where we get the word scapegoat. Because if we have a scapegoat, we don't have to deal with the issues of the community. It is gone to wander in the wilderness away from everybody else. So if Jack can blame Bailey for the destruction of the kitchen counter. He can be blameless up there and enjoy his chicken nuggets and tater tots and maybe a carbonated beverage if he is so lucky. Now, now I know that we have not been having 
Eucharist. I'm looking eager to that day soon and I'm excited about the progress and the signups and, and, and knowing some of our members of our community that are in retirement communities that receive the vaccine, so I'm hopeful that we will be back there. But you might notice some of the language when we gather for communion. One of the things that we hear after the bread is broken, Lamb of God, have mercy on me. Take away the sins of the world. What some Christian theologians argue is that Jesus becomes the scapegoat, taking away the sin of the world. What does that mean exactly? This is where it's significant in this case. Because what we do as individuals is we're always looking for an out. Lots of people want to blame. I mean, yeah, think about it. You know, liberals want to blame the president. Conservatives want to blame liberals or Antifa. I mean, we all want to blame somebody else for this mess that we are in where we saw the first time in the history of the United States a Confederate flag was waved in the Capitol. Sweatshirts that were anti-Semitic talking about the death of millions of Jews being worn by people in the country. And we all want to blame someone else. It'd be a whole lot easier... And so I confess, I'm sorry in my part for what I have not done to address the issues of sin and racism and hate. I'm sorry for shaming if I have shamed other people. The only way forward is for us to not blame other people. To not blame others. This is the gift and the hope of Christian faith. That we are sinners. That we can, that we can be honest with who we are. And we can work to change that. That we can work to let God redeem that. To not blame, but to say that it's that it's our responsibility for the world that we live in. (laughs) But you know that that is the good news because God says, I love you. God says it's okay that you can come to this table every single day and start over. That nothing, that nothing that you do will change the fact that you are beloved children of mine. Nothing Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I have made a seal with you with the Holy Spirit. I will love you 
I am the scapegoat. That is what Jesus is saying. Do not blame your fellow brothers and sisters, but take responsibility. For my part in not naming the ills of this world, for the participation in white supremacy and evil, whatever it is, I ask for forgiveness. Have mercy on me, and may we all, may we all believe that God loves us so much that we can be bold enough, bold enough to do the work of sharing God's love in this world without casting shame or judgment but looking inwardly at how we can make this world more loving and whole. Amen.